Let's get ready to study God's Word. Greetings to one and all. Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and it's time for another devotional study. Please be sure to visit our webpage at biblestudy.asbzone.com, where you can find links to our previous episodes and various Bible study resources. Let's have a word of prayer before we get into our study. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and your goodness and your love to us. We invite your presence to be with us. We pray that you will give us a portion of the Holy Spirit. Help us to rightly divide your words of truth. Give us wisdom and understanding, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's study is entitled, The Gist of Redemption. The Gist of Redemption. And our passage for this study comes to us from 2 Corinthians 5.21. We're going to read it in the King James Version, as always. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 If you break this down with nouns rather than pronouns, for God, the Father, hath made Christ to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Why is this called the gist of redemption? Typically when we look for a passage which highlights the salvation story, John 3.16 comes to mind. And John chapter 3 is very profound in any case. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is one of the more profound passages, and it's a common passage. Many people understand this. They learn it as children, etc. So John 3.16 is a key one. Uh, Romans 5.8 is also important, talking about before we realized that we needed a Savior, while we were still in our iniquities, God commendeth his love to us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Um, so those are those are important for a variety of reasons because they speak to the love of God. They speak to God's purpose in redeeming man. They speak to when God considered it and how um, our behavior didn't deter him in his planning. But the reason why I've entitled this The Gist of Redemption is that this speaks to the process this speaks to a challenge that we have in understanding 
how we are saved. The salvation process is fraught with complexity from our perspective because there are many passages in the Bible that talk about how we are to cooperate with God. They speak of obedience. They speak of walking in the Spirit. They speak of uh, cooperating with God, abiding in Christ. And there are other passages that speak of the grace of God and that speak of salvation by grace through faith. And if you align yourself with only one set of those passages or another, it is easy to assume a position that either absolves us of any responsibility to do anything at any time ever in the salvation process, or that turns salvation into righteousness by works. And obviously, both of those positions are incorrect. While it is Christ that saves us, while God saves man, and man does not save himself, man must cooperate with God. But it is important to understand that that cooperation, the, the, the effort that we put into salvation as humans is the application of the will. Okay? The one thing that can definitely be said about the plan of salvation is that under zero circumstances will God save anyone who did not want to be saved. It's possible to want to be saved and end up being lost because like the rich young ruler, you might have a desire for salvation and you might come in search of that desire. But when you hear what is required of you on an ongoing basis, right? Christ telling the rich young ruler to sell all that he had and give to the poor was not going to grant him salvation. What was going to grant him salvation was surrendering himself to Christ. Of course, if you're surrendered to Christ, then whatever Christ happens to ask, you'll be willing to do. If you're unwilling to do it, it's indicative of the fact that you were not surrendered, right? So it's easy to get tripped up on the second piece of surrender, on the, on the manifestation of surrender, and assume that the manifestation is the method of salvation, okay? The rich young ruler selling all that he had and giving to the poor and coming and following Christ was a manifestation that he had entered into a, a saving relationship. It was not the mechanism by which he was entering into a saving relationship. And that's proved in this verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. And that's why I like this verse. So in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says that God made Christ to be sin for us. Who knew no sin. Christ did not know sin. Christ did not sin of himself. He committed no sin. But he was made to be sin. Sin was placed upon him and he took upon himself all of the sins of the world and became, as it were, sin, right? In order for the punishment to justly fall upon him, he had to own the sin that was upon him. And so he took ownership 
of all of our sin. But he did not personally know sin. He did not personally commit sin. He was treated as a sinner. He was surrounded by sinners. He was accounted a sinner. But he never sinned. And in the same way, whatever that process was, that God accounted Christ as a sinner so that he could bear the punishment which rightly belonged to each and every one of us, that exact process is used to account us righteous so that we might inherit, we might receive the rewards of righteousness. Christ was accounted a sinner in order that he might receive the rewards of the sinner so that we who are sinners can receive, can be accounted righteous and receive the reward of the righteous. Now, the important distinction that is not covered exactly, well, no, it's covered here. It's covered here. Who knew no sin? Christ was accounted a sinner. He did not personally know sin. We will be accounted righteous. But we must know and learn righteousness. Now remember, the salvation is in God facilitating our accounting as righteous. That's where the salvation is. And that, that's an important distinction to make. God accounted Abraham righteous because of Abraham believed God and moved in accordance with where God was directing. And the Bible tells us that because Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. God is going to account us as righteous, but we also need to believe God and we also need to move in harmony with him. Okay? By beholding, we become changed. There needs to be a transformation. Because while Christ was accounted a sinner and took upon him self-sin, but was never tainted by sin personally, we who are going to be accounted righteous must become affected by righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. Okay, that's an important distinction. But the process, and it's important, the gist of redemption is this. Christ became sin so that we can become righteousness. It is something that God does, but he does it with our cooperation. He did it with Christ's cooperation. Christ consented to take on this role. He did not do this against Christ's will. Christ consented to do this, and we must consent for God to convert our hearts 
convert our minds, renew our minds in righteousness. The last thing that's going to get the touch of righteousness will be our bodies as we get glorified bodies. But there must be a renewing of our minds first. We must, day by day, aim our thoughts, apply our will in the direction of God. We must surrender our will to His and apply ourselves to hunger and thirst after righteousness. And we will be filled. The gist of redemption is that God is going to make us righteous in the same way that he made Christ to be sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we want to thank you once again for the awesomeness of the plan of salvation. We pray, Lord, that you will guide and direct our steps, that you will help us to meditate on your word, that you'll help us to appreciate the fact that it is by your grace that we are transformed from sinners to righteousness in Christ. Help us to apply our hearts to wisdom. Help us to be receptive to your leading and guiding that we will grow and learn and become more and more like Christ as we keep our eyes fixed on Christ. Please bless us, we pray, and keep us safe. In Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Remember, you can find Rightly Divide the Word of Truth on Google Podcasts, Apple Music, or wherever you normally obtain your podcasts. And be sure to check out the True Wisdom Podcast as well. You can contact us via email at biblequestions at asbzone.com. We look forward to hearing from you, whether you have questions, comments, suggestions, or concerns. We appeal to you as Paul appealed to the Thessalonians. Brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you prayerfully study and share His Holy Word. <music>